Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm sick and tired of patch jobs. I'm sick and tired of duct tape and, and gorilla tape masking holes and filling holes and relying on Carey Price to make 10 bell save after 10 bell save after 10 bell save to cover up for the defense mistakes. I'm sick of it. If we want to make the playoffs in Montreal, if we want to compete for a Stanley Cup, which I think that's the goal, don't settle for crap. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for Brett Kulak as your top four defenseman. Go out there and trade for one. Go out there and sign one if you have to. Improve the roster. Systematical failure on the part of the general manager and his hockey operations staff to address this scoring problem. Enough. Enough's enough. I'm sick and tired of it. Coming to you from the greater Montreal area, this is the Not Habited Podcast, where we talk any and all things related to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm your host, Joshua DeLorme. On this week's Not Having It podcast, I'm going to take a quick look at players on the Montreal Canadiens roster who are in need of new contracts this offseason. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the new signing, Otto Leskinen, and what he might bring to the Canadiens organization. I'm also going to finish up by taking a quick look at some of the storylines from around the league. A few housekeeping notes before I get started. Don't forget that you are always welcome and invited to reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at JoshuaDelorme95. Let me know what you think of the podcast, if you have any ideas or suggestions for future episodes, or if you simply want to tell me how wrong I am. I'm never wrong, but we can agree to disagree on that. Your feedback is always, as always, welcome. Finally, don't forget to go out and go check out awinninghabit.com for all your Montreal Canadiens-related content. 
there's lots of great stuff out there available for your reading pleasure. And now, let's get started with the podcast. All right. First on my list of Canadian players that need new contracts this coming off season, we have defenseman Jordy Ben. Now, you guys have this is episode three, so you guys know my opinions on how Mark Bergevin needs to how do I want to put this uh, take every opportunity available to him to um, improve to improve the roster and and to take the take the roster and take this team to the next step, which is competing for a Stanley Cup. I have no problem with Jordy Ben. Um, He's a solid, reliable third-pairing defenseman. Let's not forget that. He's a third-pairing defenseman. Um, With a $1.1 million cap hit in this current contract. Um, So, you know, Jordy Ben has, has done his job. He's been reliable defensively. He's kicked in on the offense on some occasions. Um, So yeah, Jordy Ben is fine. You know, that's okay. Now, we don't need okay. We don't need fine. We need improvement. We need progress. We need stepping in the right direction. Jordy Ben is 31 years old, currently right now. Going to be 32 July 26th. I think someone is going to overpay for Jordy Ben. I would not be surprised to see Jordy Ben hit free agency and sign a contract in and around $2.5 million a year. The Montreal Canadiens should not be the team that gives him this contract. We have more than enough depth on defense. We have so much depth on defense, we don't even know what to do with them. Let someone else, let another general manager give Jordy Ben 2.5 approximately million dollars per year. You have enough options available to you that you should not be the one to do so. Because let's be honest... This team needs an improvement on the defensive core. I don't know if you listened to last Friday's episode. If you didn't, go check that out because, well, you heard clips of it at the beginning here. Um, there, there, There is a drastic hole on defense in the top four of this team. And if Mark Bergevin actually does his job, if Mark Bergevin does his job and is able to improve the roster on the defensive side, if he's able to add an established top four defenseman that can contribute offensively, solid defensively, and could maybe help out on the power play, if he's able to find one of those players, Jordy Ben becomes expendable. Let's be honest. Regardless of what you think about Jordy Ben, he's replaceable. That type of player is replaceable. There are a bunch of bottom-pairing, reliable defensemen available every year. We don't need to lock into Jordy Ben for God knows how long and God knows what AAV just because we like him. He fits into the room or whatever. I don't care. You 
Improve the top four defensemen, which allows you to slot Brett Kulak in to the third pairing. So Jordy Ben then becomes a seventh defenseman. And you're not going to pay a seventh defenseman $2.5 million a year. So let him go. Walk. Let him go. Let him walk. I mentioned Brett Kulak. Brett Kulak is also in need of a new contract. He's a restricted free agent this summer with arbitration rights. 25 years old. Was decent in the role they had him in last year. I know a lot of people say that his numbers were good. His underlying numbers were, were good for in, a, in the top four. I don't think so. I don't like him there. He's a third-pairing defenseman. That's what he is. Why are we always trying to turn people into what they are not? At one point, we had Jordy Ben playing with Shea Weber. On the top pairing, Jordy Ben. Brett Kulak is a third-pairing defenseman. On any roster, on any team that has aspirations of competing in the Stanley Cup, Brett Kulak is a third-pairing defenseman. So yeah, sure, he's a restricted free agent. I would re-sign him. He goes into the Josh Wood re-sign category. Now, re-sign him at a reasonable contract, and I don't think it's going to be anything major. He's currently making $900,000 on the cap this year. So look, you up, you give him a couple hundred thousand to upgrade. His contract probably comes in between $1.2, $1.5 million per year on, a, I don't know, a two-year contract maybe. That's what I would do, aim for. $1.25, $1.3 on a two-year deal. For that, that's fine because then he slots in to the third pairing on the left side with um, Noah Juleson. That's perfect. That's a very reliable third pairing group, third pairing tandem. That's okay. I have no issues with those two players. Another defenseman that's in need of a contract this summer um, who's also restricted with arbitration rights is left-handed shot defenseman Mike Riley. Mike Riley is a, you know, we had hopes for Mike Riley. He started off decent, uh, put up some decent numbers in the offensive zone um, as, a, as a, you know, bottom-pairing defenseman. Uh, we tried him with Shea Weber, it didn't work. Uh, tried him with Jeff Petrie, it worked, but it didn't really work. Uh, and then he just, you know, he got beat out by the likes of Christian Folan and Brett Kulak, and he couldn't surpass Jordy Ben on the depth chart. So, I would also strongly consider re-signing Mike Riley if he was interested in coming back. Um, but I think Mike Riley needs to understand that maybe he doesn't come in. Um, he comes in as a as a depth defenseman. You know, he's he's uh, probably in in Montreal as your seventh or eighth defenseman. If you're not going to carry eighth, then you probably try to put him down in Laval, help Laval down there uh, with their defensive core. And, and you keep a body, right? Mark Bergevin always likes to tell us how there's no such thing as too much depth on defense. Well, this is another opportunity for that, right? And, and at $725,000 on the cap this year, I don't think this is going to go up much. Um, it's what he is what he is at this point, I would think. Um, he is, you know, this, this, this third-pairing fill-in role. Uh, he's a depth defenseman. So, yes, I would, I would, I would consider 
re-signing him if he was in the in the mindset of coming back to Montreal as a depth player um, and and understanding that there's a good chance that he ends up playing in the ball. And if he doesn't want to uh, come back in that role with that role set out for him, then that's fine. You can let him go. These defense, these types of defensemen practically grow on trees. This isn't a big deal. I won't, I don't think if we lose Mike Riley, <laughs> like there, there are, there are bigger, there are bigger needs. There are bigger issues on this team than what we do with Mike Riley. But if he's interested in coming back, I would be interested in bringing him back in that type of role. Uh, if I take a look at the forwards, um, Charles Hudon is, is an interesting one to me. Um, I, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Charles Hudon. He's 24 years old. I always thought he was going to be this you know, solid third-line player that was able to produce offensively a little bit, could help fill in on the power play if need be. And, and the truth is he hasn't really um, developed into that. He's, he, you know, he was uh, the 13th forward at a lot during the year last year. He's really, really struggled and... Um, and the numbers just haven't been there. I mean, he played 32 games this year uh, with five points. Um, I think I think the coaching staff has lost their trust, and the management group lost their trust and their faith in in um, in Charles Houdon. And and I mean, I think the team is. I think the, I we heard Mark Bergeron talk about it at the end of the year. I think the team is open to bringing back Charles Houdon next year. Um, but I and I would be too. I mean, a lot of people are ready to give up on him, throw in the towel. I think there's, I think there's still a bit of a player there. I mean, the year, just last year he had in 72 games played, 10 goals, 20 assists for 30 points, which is which is not terrible. It's nothing to you know, it's nothing to shake a stick at. Um, it's it's someone. But then again, Charles, you know, if he signs on this team, he's going to be a depth player, um, bottom six, scratch. Uh, you know, thirteenth forward, in and around that, and and this team has a lot of those. Uh, let's be, if we're honest with each other, there's a lot of those types of players here, and I don't know. I mean, I think there's still a little bit of a. I think they bring him back on a one-year prove-me-wrong type of contract. Um, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then it's he goes and I would think he goes on waivers and down to Laval, and if someone else picks him up, then someone else picks him up. But uh, that's what I would think. I would not be surprised to see Charles Houdon signed a one-year contract, um, and then that would be his last shot in Montreal. I think, I think the coaching staff and the management staff in Montreal spoke to him at the end of the season, and and really emphasized that he needs to be better in a lot of areas. And and I think he wants to play. He wants to play Montreal. You know how much you can see how much he wants to play in Montreal. Um, and I think Montreal would want to keep him if it works out. So I, 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 I would think that they give him one last shot and then see what they can do. Um, next on my list is uh, Arthur Hilekinen, and who's also um, a restricted free agent um, as of July one. And and I mean with also arbitration rights. But I think Arthur Hilekinen is an interesting one for me. I I like the kid. Um, I like him as a player. He's a reliable player. He's a good player. Um, I think expectations were always a little too high on Jordy on um, on Arturi Lekkinen when he came in. Had his um, has hit you know had a f- successful rookie season when he put up uh, what was it eighteen Yeah, he was an eighteen goal scorer in his first year in Montreal, and the offense really has not 
kind of come clean. He, he, at this point, I think he is what he is. He's a 10 to 15 goal scorer. Uh, he's a third line, fourth line player. He can help. He's a strong penalty killer. He's reliable in the defensive zone. He is what he is. And I think I look at Arturi Lekin and I think a lot of teams like this type of player. Um, I think Mark Bergeron likes him. I think Claude Julien likes him. Um, but I, I struggle with him because I mean, there's, there's so many, um, there's so many bottom, not bottom six players on this team that at some point you just run out of room for them. I mean, we saw Arturi Lekkanen playing on the fourth line at times, uh, struggling to get going offensively this year. Um, and, and really it, I don't, I don't know what I, what I what I see from him, I think if if there's a trade available out there for Arturi Lekkonen where you're able to bring back um, some help to address another need, I mean I I keep going back to this um, Pittsburgh and Olimata trade scenario, rumors, rumblings that were out there that Pittsburgh was looking for Arturi Lekkonen. I I would strongly consider that. I mean I like Arturi Lekkonen. I'm not necessarily saying that we should give up on him. I'm not giving up on him. Um, I just think that there's someone else that can do that job. I just think, you know, there's there's someone out there um, in the roster, in the organization, that can replace him. He's he's not a top six forward, and he's not going to be. And we have to stop expecting him to score between tw- 15 to 20 goals a year. He's not going to do that, I don't think. And and it's it's just time to, you know, there's so many holes on this team in the top six that, well, so many holes. There's just this big hole in the top six that needs to be addressed. And then once that happens, everybody else just kind of slots back down. And then you start to look at all this and you run out of room um, for guys like Arturi Lekin. And, and and then there's and then on top of all that, then there's Joel Armia. Like, what do you do with Joel Armia, um, who had a good year uh, in his first year in Montreal? Uh, you know, he played with uh, Kotkaniemi most of the season. Uh, after coming over from uh, from Winnipeg last um, last summer, you know he put up 13 goals, 10 assists for 23 points. He was reliable. He was solid. He was okay on the power play towards the end of the year. They put him in the in the high slot there and scored a few little goals coming down the stretch. But again, I look at I look at this team and if if Mark Bergeron is able to add a top six forward in like if if let's say hypothetically he's out there and he's able to add Matt Duchesne. And if he's able to add Matt Duchesne, then everybody else just kind of slots. I look at uh, the addition of a center allows you to uh, move Max Domi over to the wing. Um, so then let's say your top line, of, I'm just going to throw some names out here. Line number one of uh, Domi, Duchesne, and Drouin. Line number two of Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher. I personally think uh, Dano is a third is a very good third-line center. I close Julien loves Philip Dano loves the responsibility in the top six of Philip Dano. He's good on face-offs and all that. I don't think Philip Dano is necessarily coming out of the top six just yet, which is why Domi would go back to the wing. And and that line of Tatar, Dano, and, and Gallagher was successful um, when they were playing together uh, last season. And so that's your your second line. Then you look at third line. Uh, you've caught Kenyemi in the middle. Then you look at, you have guys like Shaw. You have guys like Byron. Then there's Armia. There's Lekkanen. There's Wheel you still have. You know, there's there's a lot of players there that are playing in the same type of role. Um, 
and and at some point you start to run out of room, um, which is unfortunate. So like to me, that's why I would nece- I would be totally okay with a trade that involves Arturi Lekkinen because then that frees up a roster spot. Let's say you have a third line of Shaw, or, or let's say Byron, Armia, and Kotkaniemi, uh, and then your fourth line of Thompson, Wheel, and 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 Shaw. That's a that's a that's a good fourth line. I'm fine with that. I like that. And then, you know, so even you look at all that, you you run out of room for guys, and 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 so you have to, you know, I think it, they're all great and they're fine, but we have just so much depth in the bottom six, and and if Montreal, if Mark Bergevin, if this, I mean, I'm going to say this again, it it totally hinges on Mark Bergevin being able to do his job. Being able to successfully do his job and improve the top six. Because if he can bring in a top six forward, whether it be center or wing, because if you bring in a winger, then Domi can stay at center. Or if you bring in a center, then you move Domi back to the wing. If he's able to add a top six center, top six forward, uh, then everybody else just kind of slots back down to where they should be. Or, or you know, everybody kind of slots perfectly in there. And, and you get guys like Shaw, Armia... Uh, and Lekkinen kind of squeezed out to third, fourth line, and and that's a lot, right? And so I mean, I, I look at Armia, who's who's making, who made you know kind of one year, one point eight five million dollar contract, who's also a restricted free agent this summer. I mean, I look at it, he's going to probably come in and around the same, just under two million dollars a year. That's you know that's not a big deal. That's fine. Um, but then you ask yourself, my biggest question of all this is then you ask yourself. Do we have the room for him? And then what happens? Do you, you know, uh, a lot of people are talking about Ryan Paling starting the season in Montreal. I think Ryan Paling should start the season in Laval. I want him playing top line minutes in Laval, top penalty killing, top uh, top power play. I want him playing almost seventy five minutes a game in Laval, and 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 not playing fourth line thirteenth forward eight minutes a night. That's not what um, Ryan Paling needs. And and but then. What if he comes into training camp and surprises? What if Ryan, Ryan, uh, Nick Suzuki comes into training camp and surprises and all that? Then you really start to run out of room. And your depth is there. I mean, really, it's it's there already. Um, and so I, I like the idea of keeping Yol Armia. I just don't necessarily know. If you're not going to trade Arturi Lekkinen, can you really afford... Here's, here's how I'm going to say this. Do you have the room to bring back both Arturi Lekkinen and Yol Armia? I don't think that you do. I think at the end of the day, the Montreal Canadiens general manager and his hockey operations department is going to have a choice to make. I think it's either you let one go or you trade one. Because you, I don't think there's room to take both of them. Because I don't think Joel Armia or Arturi Lekkinen are going to be happy being your 13th forward. They're not. And, and they're not 13th forward material. And so you have to ask yourself, what do you do with them? Well, that's why I look at this, a trade for involving Arturi Lekkinen. Or if you're able to get a little bit more in a trade involving Joel Armia, then you do that in case. Then you do that in that situation. But I look at the, the Canadians are in a bit of a, a bit of a bind here when it comes to their bottom six forwards. Is they have, they have, you know, they re-signed Jordan Wheel. That was another one I wanted to talk about. You know, Jordan Wheel and Nate Thompson were both forwards, bottom six forwards that, that, had contracts that were expiring this summer. Both have been re-signed. So really, you're going to run out of room here at some point. And you're going to run out of room on the ice for these players. So a decision has to be made. And if it were me, I would look at moving 
uh, Arturi Lekkonen because I think you can get a little bit more for Arturi Lekkonen than you can for for jo- for Joel Armia. So I I think you have to put options out there, and because I mean Arturi Lekkonen is good, he's still young, um, and and he's played well when he's in Montreal, but I just don't think we have the room for him. And then I mentioned Jordan Wheel and, and Nate Thompson getting their contracts re- uh, extended. I mean, uh, Nate Thompson comes in at uh, one year, one million dollars. That's a fourth line center that can go out there and win some faceoffs. If it doesn't work after a couple months, you put him on waivers. He goes down to Laval. It costs you nothing, um, and it, so that's really a no, no big. That's no big deal in that in that signing. Um, and and we saw how quickly Claude Julien liked um, having Nate Thompson out there. Uh, down the stretch, and and so he's reliable in his own zone. Uh, he can win faceoffs and all that, and so I that I I like the signing. He's a he's a definition of a fourth line center, and and he fills a role for what Montreal needed because we know how how much the fourth line struggled last year before the addition of of Thompson and Wheel, and and how little Claude Julien trusted them when it was you know uh, Matthew Pekka or. Um, or somebody else on the line, and 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 uh, Nicolas Delarier, and so I, the 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 um, the the Nate Thompson. I'm losing my mind over here. The Nate Thompson signing. I have no issues with it. It's fine. Um, if it works, it works great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's a one year, one million dollar contract. You put him on waivers, and he's gone. The other one is Jordan Wheel. Uh, this was a two-year contract. He took a pay cut coming uh, uh, from going from 1.75 to 1.4 million dollars on the cap. Uh, he took a pay cut to stay in Montreal. The, look, it's evident how much the coaching staff loved Jordan Wheel after the 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 acquisition for him at the trade deadline. He was playing first power play minutes. He he was playing upwards of 15 minutes a night, uh, and and really he he the coaching staff fell in love with him. I I struggle with Jordan Wheel. I mean, he's fine. He's a, another depth forward on this team, and I don't see anything special in Jordan Wheel. Um, and so you made the decision to resign him. That's fine, but I think at the end of the day, the the decision to resign Jordan Wheel is going to cost you one of Lekkonen or Armia. I think that's what it's going to come down to because realistically, that's what it is. Uh, he's not a top six forward. There's Jordan Wheel is not a top six forward, and he does not belong on the first power play unit. He does not. I'm. I, it drives me bananas. I mean, it drives me up the wall when I see this. Joel, um, uh, what the hell's his name? Jordan. Yeah, Jordan Wheel. Jordan Wheel going out there and 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 playing first power play minutes. He's playing 15 minutes a night. What is wrong with this picture? I mean, do am I the only one? Am I stupid? I must be. I must not know what I'm talking about, or I must not know anything about the sport of hockey because clearly I'm the only one that thinks this is wrong. It drove me absolutely bananas how down the stretch we saw Jordan Wheel playing 15 to 18 minutes a night and we had Kotkin Yemi playing 8 minutes, in and around 8 minutes. It drove me nuts. Then people are coming at me on Twitter telling me, oh, well, you know, Kotkin Yemi's tired, he struggles and all this. That's fine. I understand that. You know, it was his first season in the NHL. He struggled down the stretch. He was tired. You looked all that. That's fine. I understand all that. So you reduce his five on five minutes. There is no excuse for him not being on the power play. He's one of the most... He has, a, he has such a, a, an innate offensive ability in him. He, he can make passes very well. He can see plays develop before they're actually developing. He can create offense. And yet he's stapled to the bench. And we're going to have Jordan Wheel out there 
playing first power play minutes. How this team continually screws up their top prospects is mind-boggling to me. How, you know, it's, oh, well, he's tired and we're going to give him a rest. That's fine. Give him a rest. Reduce his five-on-five minutes. I don't have a problem with that. But why is he not on the power play? Why are we afraid to put them in positions to succeed? Why are we afraid of young players making mistakes? Young players make mistakes. Do you know why they make mistakes? Because they're actually trying things that might work. Instead of sitting back and doing nothing. Instead of being responsible in their own zone. Strong defensively. That's fine, you need all that. But you know what the best defense is? The best defensive way to play the game is when you're spending your time in the offensive zone. Last time I checked, they don't score if you have the puck in their zone. So why do we always limit the the on-ice play of, of offensive young players? We're afraid they're going to make a mistake. Oh my God, we're afraid they're going to get scored on. You have the best goaltender in the National Hockey League back there. He can make a save. And what is what are you telling Kotkaniemi? Okay, kid, you're good enough to you're good enough, but you're not quite good enough. Why are we doing this? He's 18 years old. I understand that. We drafted him third overall. Let him play. You look at this. Any other, every other team that drafts a good young player, they play. They play right away. Andrei Sveshnikov went into Carolina. He was a top six forward. Rasmus Dahlin is a defenseman. The hardest position to play in the NHL as a young player, apparently. Played top minutes. Sure, he was the number one pick, but still. Brady Kachuk, down the 417 in Ottawa. The 20 goal scorer this year. Playing regularly, top six minutes, first power play minutes. I understand, Ottawa's not all that great. Pretty sad and pathetic. They don't have very many good players. But when they did, before they traded Duchesne, Stone, and Dezingle, Kachuk was still playing in the top six. First line. Why are we afraid to put these players in positions to succeed in Montreal? It was the same thing under Michel Therrien, and it's the exact same goddamn thing under Claude Julien. It's the exact same thing. We saw this happen with Galchenyuk when he was drafted third overall as a centerman. He comes in, makes the team out of training camp. Well, we're going to put him on the wing because, you know, the center is really hard and we'll put him on the wing. Okay, fine. So he goes on the wing. So we drafted a centerman and we're playing him at wing. Then he gets his shot at, at center. He's playing on a line with Gallagher Pacioretty. He's your first line center. What does he do? He scores 30 goals. But no, no, that's not okay. We put him back on the wing. And the next thing you know, he's playing on the fourth line. We, we, in Mon- they screwed him up so much in Montreal that this kid didn't even know what the hell he was anymore. Every time I turn the TV on to watch RDS and Pierre Hood watch the Montreal Canadiens on a Saturday night, you never knew. Christ's sakes, one time I was waiting for him to line up at defense because you never know. We always let players fail here. We encourage them to stagnate into Nothing. We, we, we draft offensive players. These players that are here with so much skill. 
and we sit him on the bench because they're not good defensively or they're not they're not Patrice Bergeron. We draft Karkinyemi and we draft Galchenyuk in the top three because of what? Because of what? We don't draft a top pick because they're solid defensively unless they're defensemen. You draft them because of the skill that they have in the offensive zone. But yet, in Montreal, if he's not Patrice Bergeron, he's scratched or playing on the wing. Am I the only one that doesn't understand this? One day, I'm going to want to meet Claude Julia and Michel Terry and have this conversation with them because clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. Put them in position to succeed. And yes, they will make mistakes. How do you learn? By making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. If you are so scared to make mistakes, and which is the environment we've created for young players here in this city, if they are so scared to make mistakes, they will not make any plays. The puck is barely on their stick before it's moved on to someone else. They are not taking any responsibility for this. They don't want to be yelled at or scratched or or have their ice time reduced drastically. They don't want that. No young player wants that. So why are we afraid of young players in this team? Why is the coaching staff so afraid of playing young players? I don't get it. I don't understand this. Put them in a position to succeed. Let them produce. And so if he's so tired down the stretch, if he's emotionally tired, if he's physically tired, that's fine. If you're afraid of him going up against top players, okay, fine. Put him on the power play. Let him go out there and touch the puck in the offensive zone. Let him create plays. Who knows? Maybe he'll score some goals. I know. It's a shocking concept. Especially on the power play. God forbid you score on the power play. No, no. We're going to put, jo- put Jordan Wheel out there for 15 or 18 minutes a night and he's going to play first power play minutes with Philip Dano and Andrew Shaw. What's wrong with this picture? None of those players should be playing more minutes on the power play than Jesperi Kotkaniemi. None of them. This is your center of the future. This is your future number one center you have here. If you didn't want to play him properly, don't play him at all. Put him in Laval or send him home. Let him play top minutes, goddammit. The team missed the playoffs and they were dwindling down the stretch. They had nothing going for them down the stretch. Every game they were they had to win, they lost. They missed out on the playoffs. Because their power play was so god-awful. And yet we have Jordan Wheel out there and Andrew Shaw and Philip Dano. And we're standing there wondering, what's wrong with the power play? Start by putting your best offensive players on the power play for more than 30 seconds at a time, Claude, and you might get somewhere. Alex Ovechkin in Washington doesn't get off the ice on a two-minute power play. Or if he does, it's when there's 15 seconds left. I'm not saying there's an Alexander Ovechkin here. My point is, your best players need to be put in positions to be your best players. It's infuriating watching this. You get a penalty, you get a power play, and you send out Andrew Shaw, Philip Dano, Jordan Wheel, and Jonathan Drouin, who goes around in the offensive zone not knowing what the hell to do if he doesn't have the puck. What's going on here? It's incredibly infuriating watching this. We draft players in Montreal 
to be offensive players, to, to be stars in the making here. And yet, they get shot on, they get yelled at, and they get scratched when they're not responsible enough defensively. When they're not Patrice Bergeron or Anze Kopitar. Here's a hint. There's only two of those. And you don't have them. So let the players you draft, let them develop according to their skill set. Going back to Jordan Wheel, you decided to give him a contract extension. Now you have him. Play him properly. Slot him properly. I don't want to see Jordan Wheel on the first power play unit. I don't want to see Jordan Wheel playing 15 or 18 minutes a night. Those are not his minutes. He should be playing 8 to 12. And Katkanyemi should be playing 15 minutes. This is done. I'm over. This is over. This, this, I'm done with this. I don't want to see Katkanyemi playing anywhere under 13 minutes a night. I don't want to see Jordan Wheel taking his spot anymore. There's a reason Jordan Wheel is on his who knows how much team. He started in, he got, he went from LA to Philadelphia to Arizona. We got him from Arizona for nothing. Nothing. If he's so great, why are they giving him up? He is okay as a third or fourth line player. Fourth line. Jordan Wheel should be a fourth-line player on this team because there are players ahead of him on the depth chart that are better. Wake up, Claude. Wake up, Mark. You missed, the pa- you missed the playoffs this year with Jordan Wheel playing 18 minutes a night down the stretch almost. You missed the playoffs with Brett Kulak playing in your top four on the defense. Address these holes. Do your damn job and make this team better. Make it better. Improve. Jordan Wheel on the power play. Then you wonder why the power play's trash. Your best players are sitting on the bench most of the time. Or even then, your, your best power play unit goes out there and after 35 minutes in the offensive zone, you sit them down. You pull them. What are you doing, coach? What are you doing? Anybody who's ever watched hockey knows how this should work. Your best players on the ice for the most amount of time, when you're in a power play situation. It's not that complicated. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back to finish up the podcast talking about Otto Leskinen and a quick look around the league. A friendly reminder here that this podcast is associated with fan-sided awinninghabit.com. Awinninghabit.com is where you can find all of your Habs-related content by people that are just like you, fans of the team. So don't forget to go out and check out awinninghabit.com for all of our latest posts, editorials, and analysis of the Montreal Canadiens. All right, back to the podcast. All right, so the uh, Montreal Canadiens made a signing this week. Um, another Once again, dipped their toe into the European free agent market, um, this time bringing over uh, left-handed defenseman uh, Otto Leskinen, who's 22 years old uh, and played in the Finnish uh Liga, which is basically the Finnish league, that's the top league in the country over there, playing for, um, I don't even, I don't remember what team he was playing for, but he is um, a player that is going to once again provide the Canadians with depth on defense if this works out, uh, he's 
fairly young at 22 years old. These, you know, he was passed over twice in the NHL draft. He was first draft eligibility was in 2015, went undrafted there, re-entered the draft in 2017. People, I think people were expecting him to get picked there at some point. Once again, goes undrafted, returns to Finland to, you know, continue playing the game uh, and and had made it quite a name for himself over the past year. Um, Omar wrote a piece um, about Otto Leskinen on a winninghabit.com that you are more than welcome to go out and check out for a bunch of information about the young player. I'm going to give you a quick overview of um, Otto Leskinen and where I think he'll end up playing next year. So he's a you know smallish defenseman, 5'11", left-handed shot defenseman, and and has gotten a lot of praise, uh, as Omar says, a lot of praise for his uh, skating and his offensive ability. So he's a puck, so he's a puck transporter. He's a puck handling defenseman with smooth skating and and some offensive ability. That came to fruition uh, this past season, where he scored eight goals and added twenty three assists in fifty seven games, and which had him eighth in Liga defensive scoring this season. And if this name sounds a little familiar to you, that's because uh, the Canadians actually had him um, in, um, in in camp last season, uh, in a, a tryout, uh, and and it, so they kept their eye on him. I, I as is evidence, and and I think he kind of kept his eye on the team as well. And so they bring him in on a two-year contract. Um, and I, I evidently, I think this is going to be to add depth on defense in Laval. We all know how much that team struggled this year in Laval under uh, Joel Bouchard. Not Joel Bouchard's fault. That team literally had nothing to like, had nothing on there. Um, so this adds um, uh, another player for Bouchard to develop to to have him you know, play some meaningful games in Laval. And hopefully this works out because, you know, he might be able to turn into a hockey player for the Canadians down the road. And if he doesn't, well, it didn't cost you much because it's just money. Um, and so, yeah, so just to, so that's one eye to keep an eye on. That's one player to keep an eye on to see what training camp brings for him in the fall and if, if what he's able to do in Laval next year. And and hopefully he's able to contribute. Hopefully he's able to produce. Hopefully it's able to, he's able to uh, develop his game into a, North American skater, and and maybe who knows? Maybe one day he'll be able to um, to help the Canadians out. Uh, and finally, I want to end on a little bit of a little bit of a funny note here. Uh, funny note. Uh, I don't know if any of you, I don't know if you saw this or you didn't. Uh, former Montreal Canadiens head coach Michel Terrier is back in the NHL. I know it's, it's fascinating. It's exciting. Surprising. Uh, he joins uh, Alain Vigneault in uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, there's very experienced coaching staff. Putting, being put together over there. Vigno is the head coach. Uh, Terrien brought in, I think he's brought in as an associate coach. I thought I saw that. Uh, and, and Mike Yo, former uh, head coach of the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues, uh, brought in as the other assistant coach there. Uh, very, a lot of connections there. I mean, Chuck Fletcher, the general manager in Philadelphia, used to be the general manager in Minnesota that hired Mike Yo to be the head coach. Uh, Mike Yo first started off as an assistant coach uh, for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton um, Penguins uh, the, in the Penguins organization as an assistant coach to then head coach uh, Michel Terrier and when Michel was brought up to uh, the NHL and to coach the Pittsburgh Penguins Mike Yo uh, followed him and went in with him as an assistant coach when Terrier was fired and Bilesma came in and won the cup. Yo was still on the staff that year so he won the cup there and so th- they've there's a lot of connections there and, and very experienced coaching staff. But yes, so Michel Terrien, uh, 
has his, is back in the NHL. I don't I don't necessarily think we'll ever see Michel Therrien coaching in the head coach again in the NHL. I, I don't think it's going to work out for him very much. I mean, I hopefully his his track record with young players is not all that great. Uh, and and hopefully the uh, hopefully the Flyers don't have too many young players to develop in the near future because I don't think he's going to be much help. But yes, yeah, so just something to keep an eye on. Uh, see what can what happens with Michel Therrien in the future. But uh, as always, happy to see happy to see anyone have a job. Happy to see anyone uh, have an opportunity in the NHL, even if it is just as an assistant head coach. Uh, and so, yeah, on that note, this will bring to an end uh, this podcast. Um, every Friday, don't forget, every Friday, look out for a new episode of the Not Having a Podcast. And in the meantime, I'd like to once again invite you to go check out OwningHabit.com for all of our latest news content. Pieces, analysis, editorials, all of that, anything related to the Montreal Canadiens, that's where you'll find it, written by fans, for the fans, just like you. And uh, and yeah, and also don't forget, send me a tweet, interact with me on Twitter, let me know what you thought of the pod, uh, what you didn't like, what you liked, if you agreed or disagreed with me, or if you have any suggestions for future shows, future uh, topics you'd like me to discuss, or and anything like that. So yeah, um, that's at JoshuaDelorme95 on Twitter, and you can feel free to reach out to me there um and yeah so i'll uh, that'll be it i hope you guys enjoy the weekend hopefully the rain subsides here in montreal pretty soon and uh have a good weekend have a great week and i will talk to you guys again next friday